You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. nurse practitioner and host of the Dabble Co podcast. And today I am here with one of my favorite TikTok creators. This is 32 year old Lindsay Gentry. She is not just a mom of two, but her story is really incredible. She is a stage two triple negative um, breast cancer patient and survivor. Um, And she has created a hilarious space on TikTok for anybody to see kind of a glimpse into her life. And uh, I've asked her if she would come on and chat and I'm really thrilled. And thank you so much for taking just the time to be here and the time to chat with us. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Um, Okay. So tell us, you know, I've been following you and I feel like I know a little bit about kind of who you are and your story, but just tell us kind of your background as just a normal 32 year old kind of living your life and, and just how you got, you know, where we are now, like what's the beginning of your story? Yeah. So, um, I started actually on TikTok when the, um, pandemic started and we were in lockdown. I have Mm -hmm. two little boys who at that time weren't in school and I was going a little bit crazy, hence Cray Gardens. Um, and, uh, it started sort of as an Etsy shop then Instagram, then TikTok and, you know, about a year into that, you know, we got thrown for another loop and I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer Mm. and it has sort of evolved into this, you know, mom comedy with, you know, some cancer fam sort of survivorship um, stuff in there. And it's just our life. Just been a, it's been a crazy year. (laughs) I think uh, that is when everyone started on TikTok, either cons- creating or yeah. consuming is when we were all like, I don't know if yeah. you remember that board in the house trend, like that, like I think it was in the beginning. Yes. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, everyone is, is truly trapped. And TikTok was a savior for many. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that Definitely. makes, that makes sense. Um, so how, how did you, you're, you would have been 31 at diagnosis, I guess, Mm -hmm. right? Just doing the math. And so that is well before any typical mammogram screening age. Um, Typically we start Mm -hmm. at 40, but then the guidelines have actually changed. And now, you know, they, now they're saying 50, unless you have a really significant family history. So did you have any Mm -hmm. of that or how, how, how did you even get to having a mammogram at that age? Yeah. So, um, it was a, honestly, a complete fluke miracle that I found the lump in my breast. I was, I had done self exams every month because Uh I have a very good friend who at 30, um, survived breast cancer and uh, also had no family history, no genetic history. And so I had been really good about doing my breast exams, but the one I'd had before my diagnosis, I must not have either found it or it wasn't palpable yet. And I was handing my son a sippy cup one day and just felt sort of my breast kind of tug in a weird way mm-hmm. and went to explore what that was. And I found my tumor. And I was really lucky in that my GYN um, was very responsive, took me in the next day. And from I found it on a Saturday and I was diagnosed the next Friday. 
That's so fast. Gosh. And what was it yeah, something you really moved fast? Was it big? Like you, so you felt it kind of tug in a weird three way. Centimeters. But, okay. So three centimeters is like half your thumb ish. Mm-hmm. So like, could you, you felt a, a little lump or enough that, I mean, it, it was concerned enough that I knew it didn't enough that I knew it didn't belong. Um, which is why I really advocate for women to keep up with their monthly checks because you'll sort of learn what belongs there and what doesn't. Right. Um, because nobody's breasts are perfectly soft and smooth, especially if you've breastfed, you know, they're really, they can be lumpy and bumpy and you kind of learn, okay, this is one that's always here and doesn't change. And this is one that is new. Yeah. Um, I felt it. I always describe it, especially to moms. Like it feels like a clogged duct that doesn't hurt. Yeah. And that was exactly what I thought it was at first, even though I haven't nursed in a year. I was like, huh, I have a clogged duct. That's so weird. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, no, I need to call my doctor about this. Um, but yeah, I felt it and it just felt like a hard, um, sort of like an almond shaped something in there. Um, yeah. And I knew, okay, this isn't my normal, this isn't a normal part of my anatomy. I need to go get it looked at. So I called on Monday. And we did a mammogram and ultrasound that week and then a biopsy. And then I was diagnosed. It's interesting because self breast exam was, and I, I told you in the kind of pre chat before this. So I started just disclaimer, like I started my career in surgical oncology. So I used to be super familiar with breast land, but I mean, I haven't done that in like a decade. So, but I remember a time where Um, but so take that for what it is. Like, I'm not, I'm certainly not a breast expert at all. Um, but I remember a time where self breast exams, kind of like the mammogram age guidelines were in this controversial world of like, do we need to be encouraging them? Do we not need to be encouraging them? And there were kind of these two camps of, well, it doesn't hurt to do them. It doesn't, you know, cause any harm to, to do a self breast exam, like once a month or in the shower, like you said, so you, you know, your Mm -hmm. own anatomy and what's normal, because it it is normal for breast tissue to, to change some, particularly if you have like fibrocystic breast tissue. Um, but so, I mean, what, I, I, what's, what are, obviously you're a huge advocate for self breast exam. I mean, how does that make you feel? I am. And I found their own lump. Yeah. Um, I think I can speak for a lot of survivors in this and that most of us who like me, I had um, no genetic issues when we uh-huh. did our gene scan. I have no family history and I have a very large family. Um, yeah. No, no women have had breast cancer and to, and most survivors who are like me where it really hit them out of the blue have found their own tumors, especially when you're under the mammogram screening age. Yeah. So to say that oh, this isn't really a valid form of, you know, protecting yourself. Well, it saved my life. So yeah. I would have had a very aggressive tumor. If I'd waited a few more months, we probably wouldn't be sitting here talking. So I still continue to push for them and push for, you find something, you call your doctor, yeah. you go get it checked out. Don't wait and see. Because if I hadn't have done that, you know, I would probably be living a very different life, if any life at all right now. And so I think, I think keep doing them. Yeah, keep doing them. And I, and I think so. Just so people understand the argument on the other side, because I'm I'm sure people are like, why? If there's not harm in doing it, then why would anybody discourage it? And it, it's interesting. 
so the timing of this recording, I don't, I have another podcast recorded and I don't know if it will have come out yet where we'll kind of talk about like cost benefit ratio in healthcare and mm-hmm. like the ethics of that and how like, gosh, how that feels as a patient to think like it, the cost of my mammogram may not be worth it to my insurance company to save my life. So anyway, the point of kind of when the controversial, maybe we don't do breast exams, self-breast exams came out was women were finding all these things that were, you know, normal, like a normal cyst or just a normal, Mm -hmm. you know, fibrocystic area and getting, I'm using air quotes, but unnecessary testing or unnecessary, maybe even biopsies. And that, you know, does have a cost associated with it. it. It may even have, you know, a risk to the patient. I mean, a biopsy is not completely without risk. Maybe you have to get mm-hmm. sedated for an MRI, or maybe you even have to get a surgical biopsy. So there, that that's the other side in case people are thinking how crazy it would sound to, to not want to do them. But, um, but gosh, I mean, then it, it's really, it's just a really hard place to say, well, that it does, it does save lives. And gosh, it's just, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that probably makes especially you angry. For, especially for younger women, because our tumors tend to be very aggressive mm-hmm. and to deter anyone from calling their doctor or, and, you know, not wanting to sound quote unquote crazy or paranoid. Um, you right. can sort of gaslight ourselves in that way. Um, it, the faster you get especially with breast cancers and you're under 40, especially you, you need to get it checked out because our, our tumors tend to be fast and aggressive. Um, and time is money at that point. So tell me, okay, you said you have an aggressive tumor. You are, you were considered triple negative and, and mm-hmm. not, not everyone will understand, you know, what that, what that means and what that meant to you and your treatment. So, so triple negative, when, when you're looking at the tissue of the tumor, there are certain hormones that are receptive to treatment and you want to be estrogen and progesterone positive and then HER2 negative. And so, so that just a little kind of background, but you were kind of the wrong thing. You were all three negative. You were yeah. ERPR negative mm-hmm. and HER2 negative. Okay. So when you found, tell me about finding that out and, and the implications for you and kind of what that meant and what that was like. Um, it was a pretty dark time. I had, at that point I knew I had breast cancer, but we right. didn't really know all the specifics and being someone with no history, I really didn't even know all of those things were a part of breast cancer. Um, I did some research before meeting my oncologist. And I remember saying to my husband, as long as they don't say triple negative, I think we're okay. And we get there and there it is. Um, And it was, it was a tough pill to swallow. It still is. Yeah. Um, But I found a really amazing community of women who also have triple negative and we're a very tight knit, knit feisty group of women. Um, but it is scary. Our treatment options are really limited. Um, we're only about 15% of breast cancer cases, but primarily affect women who are under 45. So you guys know I only bring you companies that I personally use and love. And I've been using the Buffalo Sauce and the No Soy Teriyaki from Noble Made recently. It is next level, clean, convenient, 
Everybody just loves it, our entire family. So their whole lineup of sauces and seasonings sits at the intersection of convenience and better for you. So this means you can feel good about getting your food to the table quicker without compromising taste and also knowing you're putting super high quality ingredients in front of your friends and family. I love the buffalo sauce. It comes in mild, medium, and hot. I can only handle the mild, maybe the medium. So super versatile. You can use it as a ready-to-go, a dressing, a dip, or even a marinade. And you can find them almost everywhere. Seriously, Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Publix, also on Amazon. But if you go on their website, you can use code DABBLECO20 for 20% off on their website, which is thenewprimal.com. And that's DABBLECO20, 20% off on their website. Um, very, a lot of times it's women who are either pregnant or recently given birth. They're not sure what that link is, but there's some link. Um, mm-hmm. so we all have very similar stories. We all, almost all of us have that I've met. We have toddlers. We're in our early to mid thirties. Um, a lot of times it's women who don't have family history. It's just, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow when they tell you, you have the worst kind, yeah. the worst you could get. Yeah. And so, and you're telling the story of, I mean, a friend, really good friend and colleague of mine who also used to work in, in breast and I mean, almost identical age, young children, triple negative, just, you know, gut, gut punch. And I mean, that was five or six Mm -hmm. years ago. She's doing really well, but I have provided, yeah, I'll connect you guys when we get, I will like put you guys on an email or text or whatever, because I'm sure she would love to be in this community at this terrible community, but lovely community at the same time. Um, so I, one thing I love to talk about is when that news was, because I know I have providers that listen, that's why I love to talk about this, but the, when that was delivered to you, so it's, I think it's important for providers to hear, you know, like how, how was that, did you, how was that experience? I mean, do you feel like oh my God, I wish they had said this or wish they hadn't said this or, you know, what was it like as a patient? Um, and, and just, I, I want to hear about the experience and knowing what could have been done differently or, or better or I mean, differently or better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can say in almost every way I have had the most amazing team. Um, mm-hmm. the person who broke the news was my breast surgeon, Dr. Michael Schultz. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very seasoned surgeon. He's worked with a lot of patients and he did a very, um, great job of explaining everything to me in a very adult way, because sometimes, you know, it can be a little patronizing yeah. being really honest with me, but also being very optimistic. Um, at that point, you're in such a vulnerable place, especially in the beginning when you're not as educated. Um, you're so vulnerable and so traumatized and afraid having someone just say like, it's going to be okay. You are going to make it through this. And I know some doctors are, and some of my members of my team are a little more hesitant to make promises they can't keep, but my surgeon is very confident and is happy to make those promises. And it was, and I still cling to, to that, to him saying, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. We're going to handle this and you're going to live a great life. Yeah. And you, you are so desperate for someone to say that to you because in that moment you feel like it's over. Yeah. This is it. And it's so comforting to have someone explain the facts to you, but then also very confidently reassure you that you're, you're safe. You're going to be okay. Yeah. 
And so what was your next step? Did you have surgery first or chemo first? I didn't. I didn't. So triple negative, we tend to do neoadjuvant chemo, meaning Mm -hmm. we have chemo first and then surgery second. So I did um, 16 rounds of chemotherapy over about five months Mm -hmm. um, first. And then I had surgery. Mm -hmm. And then after surgery, because there was still some residual cancer, uh, Mm -hmm. I did five more months of oral chemotherapy. Okay. So a long journey. Yeah. That's a lot of chemo. And you had to Mm -hmm. go through losing your hair and I'm sure the mm-hmm. unbelievable side effects of, cause it's a different kind of chemo. It's, and now we, we have, there's a it new is. therapy. I mean, there's different levels. Like chemo just used to be chemo and everybody who got it was like knocked on their ass and it was awful. And now there's, there's yeah. a whole range. It's very different. Some people can go through mm-hmm. chemo now and it's, I don't want to say not a big deal because that is incredibly not the right way to say it, but it's not nearly as, um, the symptoms, I mean, the side effects of different chemos can be just so vastly Mm -hmm. different. Um, so what, what is the trauma of losing your, of losing your hair like that? I mean, there's no other way to say it than just trauma. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is trauma. Um, losing my hair was okay because, in the first couple of weeks, you're in such fight or flight. You're in like, I don't care. Do whatever you got to do. Keep right. me alive. I have two little, at that point, I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I was like, do whatever it takes. I always joked, I was like, take me to the line between life and death and then bring me back. I want to go all <laughs> yeah. the way to the line. Yeah, I want to get as far as I can and then pull me back. Um, I would, you know, my last day of chemo, I remember asking my oncologist, like, what if we just did one more dose? And he was like, you are insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard, but it was also, I just tried to remind myself, like, this is a sign that the drugs are working. My body is responding. It's been much harder, honestly, in the grow out process of, because people are looking at me as a normal person again. And I just don't feel like myself with like very short hair and it grows in a totally different texture and it's so much grayer than it was before. It can be color, um, different color and totally, I mean, you can look, mm-hmm. look totally different coming in. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting how your body responds. Um, but I, before my hair fell out, I dyed it blue. I really enjoyed that whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then, and then after my second treatment is when my hair started to fall out and yeah. we just shaved it that day. We just like, yeah you know, ripped off the bandaid. Once it was done, once I got through that day, the day was hard. Um, But once I got through that day, I was kind of like, okay, just let's just keep it, keep the ball rolling. Let's just, you're just too focused on surviving that, you know, one bad day and then you're kind of over it. And so you did, did you have, you didn't have to have radiation or you did? No, I didn't. I was, um, although I kicked and screamed for it, uh, because I'd never had any lymph node involvement. Um, and the amount of residual disease was about five millimeters. We had clear margins. I'd had a double mastectomy. Um, they didn't see a benefit to doing radiation, even though I kicked and screamed for it. You asked for That's wild because radiation, mm-hmm. I, I have not gone through this, but I think radiation might be worse than chemo. Like, I don't know. A lot of my friends have said that too. Uh, I think yeah. it's really pretty, It's which is hard to explain to people because radiation is just such kind of an abstract concept, right? Like chemo, people understand mm-hmm. you go like get an IV or the medicine and they kind of 
people are kind of familiar with it. But when you say radiation, people are mm-hmm. like, I don't, I mean, they're, it's hard to understand. Um, and I was going to ask you actually, if you were comfortable sharing what surgery you had, even though I know you just put up a TikTok with your reconstructive surgeon, which was amazing. Um, but so you, you went for double mastectomy and I, mm-hmm. tell, I mean, what's that like mentally? Um, so it was interesting because something I didn't know, um, before I kind of came into this experience was that depending on your response to chemo, they kind of give you the choice of what right. you want to do. So yeah. I was offered a lump back. I was offered a lump back to me, um, because I'd had a really great response to chemo. They could tell from my imaging, um, and the doctor was confident he would get clearer margins. And I really let myself you know, wax and wane over it for about, for the five months I was on chemo of what would I want? Um, how can I sort of see myself in the future and what would future Lindsay want? And it was really great because during this whole experience, you don't know if there's a future you, you don't know, you can't picture your life after this because you're just so in it and you're so traumatized and you're just fighting for your life every day. And so it was nice one to think about her future Lindsay Um, and I think through the whole thing, I had chosen just about every option that I could, um, until I finally settled on a double mastectomy. And I really let my mental health be the deciding factor there. Um, because during chemotherapy, I was constantly feeling where my tumor was convincing myself it was growing back and, you know, getting almost like a little bit paranoid, And I realized like when this is over and I'm out of treatment, I'm never going to have the same relationship with my breasts. And I just do not, I don't have any positive association with them right now. I don't want them here anymore. Um, I was great that I had surgeons who were very affirming of my choices and um, supported me in whatever I chose to do. Even though my breast surgeon was like, you really don't need to do this. And I was like, I need to do this. No, I need to do it for my own sanity. Yeah. Yeah. These need, these need to leave. Um, so yeah. And, and I was also really lucky that I had a really wonderful plastic surgeon who did a phenomenal job. Um, and you know, if you're having a double mastectomy and you're Googling, it doesn't have to be the images you see on Google. It can be a lot better of a cosmetic outcome these days. Um, they have a lot more tools under their tool belt to have good aesthetic results. That is something that has changed so dramatically is the, the reconstructive Mm -hmm. abilities that they have now. And so I kind of want to ask you, okay, so I, I want to hear your opinion and then I will give mine. How do you feel about the phrase or the campaign, save the tatas? That's so um, funny because I just bought a t-shirt the other day that said, uh, save the woman, forget the, forget <gasps> the boobs. That's what I was going to say. It enrages me. Yeah. I'm like, who cares about the tatas? Save the human. Yeah. And the person like, I I get it. We're trying. I don't know if this is like to make men comfortable or if it's to make society more comfortable talking about it, I have no idea where that phrase came from, but it enrages me. And I have, no, I yeah. don't have breast cancer, so I can't imagine. Yeah. Surely it is enraging all these women because, and maybe it's not, and you're, if you're a breast cancer survivor and if no, it does, like <laughs> that is your right to not be enraged. I am enraged on your behalf. Like I, Yes. Save the woman. Where did this come from? 
there, uh, we talk about it a lot in October among, amongst our community of yes. October is, you know, a very hard month for a lot of us. Let's talk about um, October. The sort of the pinkifying of breast cancer and the sort of way to make it palatable to people who haven't lived this experience and think sayings like that and all of the pink ribbons and all of the yeah. sort of girly crap uh, is very hard for us because that is not the experience. The experience is dark and hard and scary. And it, there's nothing feminine or pink or fun um, or cute about yeah, the experience. About it. it is gritty and dark and dirty. Um, and it, and all of the pink ribbons, and all of the, the boob things. And it's, it can be very hard to stomach when this is the biggest trauma of your life. And people are um, creating these sort of dainty pink yeah. girly things as yeah. if they're just boobs and it's like no th this could have killed me <laughs> yeah yeah and it and does kill women supplements and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now so how do we know what to choose in a brand my family personally uses thorn thorn has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country including the mayo clinic and charleston's own medical university of south carolina you can order any thorn product through me when you create your account at thorn.com slash you slash dabblecoat and you'll receive 15% off and free shipping on all your future orders. When you create your account, you'll just be prompted to confirm Dabbleco as your referral and the discounts applied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash you like the letter U slash Dabbleco. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. Pink washing, you know, I mean, we talk about uh -huh. Greenwashing, I think, is probably what people might be familiar with of, you know, a totally different subject. Greenwashing just means, you know, putting natural or organic or whatever, kind of convincing people that they need all of these green, clean, whatever things. But pinkwashing to me is like exactly like you just verbalized. It is turning something that is, I, I think the reason it, for this is it turning it something that is incredibly dark, terrifying, common, one in eight, I mean, co very mm -hmm. common into a palatable, dare I say, fun, um, whimsical mm -hmm. month, you know, and no one has, no one has bad intentions. There's a book, um, oh my gosh, that's about medical mention, uh, medical missions called when helping hurts. And that's kind of like giving me those vibes where no one has bad, bad intentions, right? It, it's all, all in good faith. It's not the posture of your heart, right. To, to do something that you is going to traumatize someone, but you know, we're not listening to, to actual survivors and women who have been through this that are saying like, you know, we really don't need you to buy pink cleats for the entire NFL team. Mm -hmm. What we need you to do mm -hmm. is instead, you know, maybe take that, I don't know how much custom pink cleats cost, probably a few hundred bucks a piece, like probably a lot at that mm -hmm. level. And gosh, what if they donated all that money to breast cancer research? Like, I don't know. So it's just, it's, I think something yeah. that you need to it's hear. It's a very, especially in October, uh, it's a very hard month as a fighter or survivor. And you go in the grocery store and every single thing is pink. You know, imagine the biggest trauma of your life 
being used as a way to advertise. And uh, we notice, especially with larger brands, sometimes they'll put those pink ribbons on things and use that to donate no money. Mm -hmm. And they're literally using our trauma as a way to advertise and pander. And that is like totally re-traumatizing. And seeing those things used as just sort of a gimmick is very painful and very hard as someone who's in the community and something I never realized until I was in it of like, wow, there's pink ribbons on everything. My yogurt, my, you know, every food item I buy. And you're just like, wow, like this is hard. Like seeing all this stuff. It is, it feels so commercialized when, you know, I'm sitting there with, you know, my nose dripping because I've been chemo and I have no nose hair. You don't realize how important nose hair is until you lose it. My nose is dripping and my, you know, I've got to watch out because I have a hangnail that's looking funny and all my hair is gone and my breasts mm. are cut off. And you're just like, this isn't pink and cute. Yeah. Like, this is awful. It's your life. And you're trying to, trying to sell yogurt with it. Like, Yeah. I was going to say, do you have any specific brands that you might like to to share might have, might be implicated in the, in that, or is that a land Um, we're not going? Well, there, there have been times, I think every, every year, I know Yoplait for a while did it. Um, Mm -hmm. They would put the pink ribbons on and not donate, Mm -hmm. um, or they would donate to organizations that we don't totally support in our community, like Susan G. Komen. um, Really? Wait. they just don't give a... Back yeah. that up. What? Tell me about that. <laughs> I'm going to get some hate for this. Um, they no. don't donate enough of their percentages to research. Okay. Um, for our like, for our liking, I think okay. it's somewhere between okay. like five and five and ten percent. What's the, goes what's, to research? Where's the rest of it going? Um, you know, their the bureaucracy of the institution, a lot of their merch, a lot of their advertising, um, in their pockets. Mm. Uh, but yeah, and then there's other really amazing organizations like Metaviver, Metaviver that will donate, you know, closer to 75% of their, yeah. uh, the funds that they raise. And Susan G. Komen is one of the largest foundations in the country. So they should really be setting the bar. Dang. And their bar is probably one of the lowest. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Okay. Very good information. So... I would say then like with that knowledge, there are some really incredible local organizations that may, you may think in your mind like, oh, well, Susan G. Komen, that's just easy. But there were so many local organizations that do things like, you know, not everybody has the resources or the, you know, physical, emotional, whatever it is, capability to get they might to themselves through treatment, you know, you may have to be mm-hmm. driving an hour, two hours, three hours to your cancer center. You like you have very young children, you know, you, I don't know what you're, we haven't talked about that yet, which we can, we can do next, but there are tons of, the point is there are tons of local organizations that will support women directly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the research part is, is important. So I would say, kind of one of two things. If you or your organization is listening to this, I mean, I think about, you know, our, the our, my company, the, my brand, um, the skin click and like, gosh, what are we going to do this October? And this may totally change what we do. You know, are you donating proceeds to a local organization or maybe you find your academic hospital that does cancer research and you donate it directly, directly to that. I mean, this, this conversation could totally change the way that people donate. It's just, 
someone has to be willing to say it and put it and and put it out there because I mean you you might get or I might get I don't know some hate review hate comment that's like how can you say that about Susan G. Come but I mean it's, it's just reality sometimes and people don't understand the the ugly side of fundraising um, the ugly side of mm-hmm. nonprofits the ugly side of uh, you know nonprofit even hospitals um, I mean all of it it's mm-hmm. there can there's often a dark side to things when they get to be that, that large of, of an organization. Um, yeah. So I don't, did you have any local, local partners or resources that were helpful to you? Oh yeah. Um, there is one nonprofit and I'm in Baltimore and there's one nonprofit called the red devils. Mm -hmm. Um, they're called that because a really common chemotherapy that we get is called the red devil. Yeah. And they, um, reached out to, I was at Johns Hopkins and they reached out to Johns Hopkins and were willing to take over one bill for every cancer patient, one like home bill. So they, you know, like handled our car payment while I was in treatment and it was, you know, no questions asked. You didn't have to prove you needed it or do any labor for it, which is great because, you know, even to get a wig prescription, you have to do like a fair amount of labor. Yep. Yeah, and you don't really have the time or energy to do it, and they were amazing. The Red Devils, um, the Almond Foundation is another one that's in Baltimore that focuses on patients who are between fifteen and thirty-five. Uh-huh. They were amazing and wonderful. We went to their gala while I was in treatment, and they had really compelling speakers. And they do really great work for families who um, need somewhere to stay while their loved one is being treated, um, and just creating the community for younger cancer fighters and survivors. I think that's an important thing too. People have to have a lot of times a place to stay. And for children, we think about Ronald McDonald mm-hmm. house, but then for adults, yeah. like mm-hmm. kind of don't in Charleston, yeah. so I'm in Nashville now and I'm not familiar not, in Charleston. It was called hope lodge, which is mm-hmm. through American cancer society. And I don't know if that's a national thing or not, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many, local things that, that you can find, um, you know, to, to donate yeah. to that are doing incredible work. I mean, I know in, in Charleston specifically, there's one called SOS low country that was, um, share our Susie and they do really incredible work. And then the hope lodge of course is where adults can stay right across the street from the hospital. And So if you've been following Dabbleco and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, So it's super easy, betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Thanks, guys. Um, But let's talk about, I want to talk about your kids 
and Cray Gardens, because I also want people to know mm-hmm. how hilarious you are um, and just how <laughs> you took that story and and just made it your own. And, and I think probably bring a lot of laughter, joy, relatability, all of it to not just breast cancer survivors, but like moms just going through crappy stuff. I mean, there's a lot of crappy stuff that you might be going through. That's not just breast cancer. That's making you sick or feel incapable of taking care of your kids. So like, please tell us about the Cray Gardens illegal daycare and a little bit about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Cray Gardens had been the name of my Etsy shop um, that I had been running since, Mm -hmm. you know, closer to the beginning of COVID. And because I loved the documentary Grey Gardens and always joked that, you know, I was going crazy. So Cray Gardens. And my my boys, my younger son is a bit of a runner. So we can only really play outside in our backyard Mm -hmm. safely um, for him to not run into the street. And our backyard was just like toys everywhere. You know, it just looked awful. And all my neighbors are really great gardeners. So it's just like my neighbor, (laughs) my backyard was chaos. And then theirs were all beautiful and pristine. And I would joke that my backyard looked like an illegal daycare. (laughs) And I made a video I made some video about it um, on TikTok, just like on a whim. And it, you know, went kind of viral. And I was like, oh, okay. Like this is resonating with people. I'm glad because I'm feeling really guilty that I feel like my day is chaos. And in my mind, you know, so many moms have it together and are doing all these fun, crafty things. And their house is always beautiful. And mine is just like a hot mess. And So then I started the Cray Gardens Illegal Daycare where I, you know, I would share what the crazy things my kids were doing in the morning and what crazy foods they were eating for breakfast because my kids are not much breakfast eaters. Um, And it just like really seemed to resonate. And I found these really fun moms uh, that, you know, wanted to follow along and had similar experiences. And it was really, it's been really great building this like small community of of parents who are more interested in keeping it real and less, you know, everything being perfect and beautiful and just sort of shoving the rest of it under the rug, but being honest about what it's like to have these little tiny tormentors. Give us a snippet of of what a Cray Gardens, like do your, get into your Cray Gardens place and give us a snippet (laughs) of a, of a Cray Garden so that people can understand. (laughs) Um, Okay. I know it's gonna take a second. Uh, I can, I can, I can talk to you about this morning. Um, you know, I gotta lower, get the vocal fry going yeah. that I have first thing in the morning before I've had enough coffee. Um, I always start with "Good morning" and "Welcome to a horrifying day." At the Cray Gardens Illegal Daycare. This morning, the children had dry cereal, mostly that they picked up off of the floor, and water for breakfast. Tiny Tormentor One uh, called me a jerk mommy this morning. And as I shoved his butt into preschool, he uh, told me he never wanted me to pick him up. And that that was our academic agenda for the day. Love it. I love it because it's so real. It's just life. (laughs) And it's, I mean... Yeah. And it's, it's all really like on the fly. Um, and it 
totally honestly what we, a lot of people ask, you know, if I script it, if I write it and I'm like, no, these nope. are real, mor- <laughs> real <Yeah>. mornings. <laughs> no, it'll be like today the children had old watermelon and goldfish and mm-hmm. water and you know, the, you yeah. can see them. I love and it's them. always water. People are so bothered that I uh, only give my kids water in the morning. I'm like, should I make them a cup of coffee? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what would you like me to give them? My just kids just happen listen. to hate, hate milk and don't drink juice. And I'm like, what? Should I give them a Diet Coke? Like, what would you like me to give them? That is between you and the your pediatrician and the Lord, whatever. Yes. I mean, yeah, just <laughs> like what you're acting like water is a bad thing. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah. the, and it's just pure survival mode with toddlers in general, mm-hmm. in a general sense. I mean, so to put yeah. on top of it that you're physically feeling. I mean, near death throughout most of your mm-hmm. treatment and then there's surgery mm-hmm. and then you've got to recover from that. And so you can't, you can't pick them up. I don't, I mean, people don't realize like we now have a double mastectomy. How yeah. long was that? Like probably six weeks. You couldn't pick them up six weeks. And then I probably still took it easy for another four. So Cause it hurts weeks, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even and when my you boys can, yeah, they're solid. Yeah. It's just so many yeah. things. I got don't some linebackers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you can see them half yeah. the time, like running through the background of the, the <laughs> yeah. video, which is like kind of the best part mm-hmm. is you're just like so deadpan into the camera and <laughs> they're just like, you know, caught wreaking havoc, causing chaos as, mm-hmm. as they do most children, particularly yeah. at that age. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. kind of a nightmare and you're just trying to, to literally live your life. Um, yeah, I think it took a couple months for my oldest son to even realize that I was making videos while he was having, (laughs) and then, and now he goes, are we going to tell people what I had? You're like, yeah, we yeah, we we might, because this is the people need to know. So tell everybody where they, where can they find you? Um, so my TikTok is at Cray Gardens, C-R-A-Y Gardens. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my Instagram is Cray, the underscore gardens. Well, this they wouldn't been, give me the one word handle. That's that's tricky. They're kind of they're kind of like <laughs> that. But this has been so helpful and just so informative. And gosh, thank you for the the time. And I know you you are busy and recovering and all of the things. So I really appreciate it. I think this will resonate with a lot of women, whether they're in in the breast cancer world a lot. Um, And as always, guys, if you liked the show, thank you for listening. Please share, rate, subscribe, send this episode to someone. Um, You just never know whose life you might save. I think this was a really important episode today. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.